The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. I want to invite you to let me know what moves you on Good Grief by going to my host page, Good Grief at Voice America. You can just search that, where there are links to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and email. I really, really love hearing from you with your responses, your suggestions, uh, just anything you'd like to say to me. Today, I'm happy to welcome Cynthia Luce. Cynthia is a mother, friend, compassionate woman, and author of Invisible Girl, which she wrote to inspire all of us to implement change in our society. She wants us to see how we can collectively work to help save and alter the paths of our youth. She's an inspirational speaker and advocate for change. For more information, you can visit www.cynthia-luce.com. Dot com. Welcome, Cynthia. Hello. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm just great. And yourself? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. I, I feel we're going to have such an important conversation today. Um, this is, uh, What you write about is so important to me. I've had quite a number of guests that work with youth, and I really am happy to um, be able to talk about this from a youth perspective, even though you're an adult now, I feel your book really captured um, how it is to be a child growing up in difficult circumstances. Yes, I'm, I'm actually really happy to be able to, you know, address and, and talk about some of these issues. Absolutely. You know, your your book is really full of a lot of descriptions of some of the some of the abuses and neglects that kids are living with, physical, sexual, um, nobody to really help, uh, all of that. And it's also a lot your story. How did you get to the point where you wanted to tell that story? Well, I'd been actually sitting on that for quite some time and felt that it was it was a good time to start writing it and, and really putting the story out there and to offer uh, a lot of insight so that we have, you know, an idea of what these, you know, what children go through when they're not paid attention to, when they're unseen and unheard. And it's really important, you know, that we open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to these stories so that we can do something to help. You know, I know I, I work with, of course, a lot of adults who've experienced trauma earlier in their lives, and sometimes people are are really swallowed up by that. Um, what do you think made it possible for you to begin healing from all the things that happened in your in your childhood? 
Well, I can say that worked for me was the writing process. That really started to um, open up little tunnels of light so that I can kind of see on the other side. It was really a way of me letting go and releasing a lot of that negativity and the pain and all of those things that went with it and learning how to forgive so that I could move on with my own life. So that sounds like a relatively long process. Would that be true from your perspective? That. Yeah, uh, each person might be different with that. Um, for me, it was a longer process, but not you know too long into my adulthood to where I started to see some of these cycles kind of taking place. But uh-huh. it, it can take a long time. One thing I noticed in the book is that you uh, seem to know as a child that the things that were happening shouldn't be happening. And uh, sometimes kids don't know that. <laughs> and I, I wonder how you how you think you kept that compass of, you know, kind of this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening? Well, for me, and I can't speak for everybody, certain things felt wrong, and they felt wrong in, in the pit of my stomach, and and I kind of uh, knew that things, the things that were happening around me weren't good, and um, I was fortunate enough to have some... Um, some idea of what was going on, but I didn't know what to do about it. So what I'm hoping to do with uh, spreading the story of Invisible Girl is giving people back their power so they can understand what's wrong in their lives so they can make the positive changes they need to make. That's, uh, you know, one thing that was very alarming to me in your story is how many people, I mean, I'm uh, a therapist you know, when I'm not doing radio, and we're mandated to report certain things, and so are teachers, so so are a lot of people, Um, but it doesn't seem as if anyone was noticing what was happening even. That that might be true on some levels. I think that there, you know, were people that saw something but weren't sure what was going on, and um, I'm not sure what the laws or the rules were like at that time. I just know that you know, we've, I felt very um, alone in a lot of the circumstances and um, very thankful for the, the writing process and how it's really helped me grow and shape myself as an adult and as a woman. You know, I, I actually hear that from a lot of people, not necessarily with the same experience, but um, for instance, um, I interviewed someone a couple of weeks ago who had lost her mother and just felt she wrote almost um, compulsively, I guess. (laughs) So I I really think for a lot of people that is a way through uh, because it's a way of talking with yourself, isn't it? Yes, it's a way of kind of sorting out uh, your mind and, 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 and metaphorically kind of cleaning out your closet. And it's a great way, and I highly recommend it. It's a great way to kind of sift through your issues and your feelings and your pain and a way of letting go. Uh, and then there's another step, of course, in sharing what you've written with uh, not just even people that you're close to, but my radio audience for in, for instance you know publishing a book was that a hard thing to come to for you the decision wasn't hard it really it really meant for me to buckle down sift through everything that i needed to sift through and put the truth on the pa- on the pages and and really kind of let go of that pain so that i could help others i knew that when i was in the process of doing this um there was a point where I sat down and I said, you know what, this isn't just about me anymore. 
um, I'm older now. This is about other people and what we can do to help others. We need to have more compassion towards uh, other people and humanity. You know, I'm beginning to think just because I hear it so often that that's a natural outgrowth of really doing the work of, of grieving is that impulse towards helping other people. Um, do you see that as a natural outgrowth for you of what you went through? It's kind of once you've come to terms with it, you want to offer something? Yes. I think we all have something to offer other people, and we kind of have to, you know, see that when we're doing these processes and and knowing that once we've got past our pain, that we have the ability to help others. Uh Uh-huh. I have the idea, because I've heard it so often when I work with adults who've had difficulty in childhood, that there's maybe one, two, three, along the way, a few people who seem to uh, communicate, I value you, you're important. Um, that seems to help a lot of people. Did you have anyone like that, or were you, or were you really isolated with what was happening? Uh, you know, the, the value came a little bit later. I really was fortunate to uh, consult with Marilla Scott, Oprah's Ambassador of Hope, on this project on Invisible Girl. And uh, she's been one of those uh, positive uh, catalysts in pushing me forward with this project and, and just overall amazing. I, I can't even stress uh, how wonderful she is. And um, this is, you know, it's helped me really bring to light a lot of stuff and put this into an incredible book for everybody to read. One thing that stood out for me was in the book was your relationship with your sister. Um, I, I mean, I'm assuming that <laughs> you know it was your sister because of the way you wrote it. I can't be positive, but that that was kind of um, that having one other person who was seeing what was happening with you had some uh, importance. Would, did I get that right? Yes, um, it, it was important for me to have somebody there, and um, I, I share the utmost love and, and respect for her. She's amazing. So you're still uh, still close now, huh? Yes, I am. Uh huh. I I I feel that is uh, key for a lot of people to have uh, someone looking it from the same angle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what kinds of things are you doing? Uh, you know, I know you do some speaking. Um, you're doing things like this, obviously. But um, where are you finding open ears to your message is really what I want to ask. It's really funny you ask that, but everybody um, who has read Invisible Girl has been very receptive to everything that's in there because almost everybody that I've encountered has had some experience somewhere in the book that they can relate to. And um, and like I said, there's so many things. Bullying right now is, is just the largest thing that's going on. Um, a lot of cyberbullying, bullying in person, and that is a, a really large issue. And a lot of people are really relating to that and, and grabbing onto that and asking questions and, and really opening their minds and their, and their eyes. And it's, it's incredible. Well, that's an interesting thing in your book, too, because um, what, what kids were bullying you about actually was kind of an arrow... Um, on what was going wrong, wasn't it? That you weren't being well cared for, loved, kept safe. Uh, they were they were gravitating to it, but in a very negative, destructive way. 
And I wonder if people that are trying to address bullying are thinking about that, that, you know, sometimes there's more to the story than just uh, the bullying, you know. Um, yes. Do you feel and that w- that was true with you, that there was yes. more to it and that people kind of maybe even focused on that but not the whole story? Yes, and when I look at when with bullying is there's more than one side to it. We look at the child that's being bullied or the adult that's being bullied, but we never look at the bully themselves and wonder what has got them to that point. And so I like to kind of expose both so that we have a better understanding. And with better understanding, we can do something more effective to kind of, you know, curb that. Yeah, that's that's a uh, crucial point, I think, not to ostracize the bully, uh, but see them as someone who's also in pain, also hurting, huh? Yes, absolutely. There's a, there's potentially something very detrimental that's going on in that person's life, and we have no idea until we've exposed that, you know, what may be happening. So it's really good to take a, a look at both sides of the coin. Are you also working with youth directly or mostly um, speaking with people who might influence, um, you know, might be able to contribute positively? Well, right now the door is open to anybody and everybody who needs um, some advice on this or who needs uh, clarity on the topic. And so with Invisible Girl, it's given me the opportunity to, you know, not just speak to the radio audience, but speak to, you know, the masses. And it's really, it's incredible what, what's, you know, happening. People are really um, opening their eyes to what's going on and, and we're more, you know, effective in, in helping people, you know, understand those patterns and doing something about it. I really do think that's crucial what you're saying because uh, we don't want to see it, you know. (laughs) I think there is sort of a cultural not wanting to look and just being able to, it's hard to not look if someone is telling you their personal experience. You know, uh, I I think the personal aspect of what you're doing is so crucial to, um, to, uh, I guess open up people to the fact that it's really happening, you know, because there are certainly people that don't want to admit that, look at it. Yes, and, and really kind of down, a lot of people will like to downplay what's going on and say, oh, you know, that child's too soft and, you know, they need to toughen up. And that's really not what's going on because we've t- it's been taken to a whole other level, especially with cyberbullying. Um, it's easier to hide behind a keyboard and say all these mean, nasty, hurtful things and try to destroy somebody's life. Um, but, you know, if, if we're able to look at this and, I mean, really sit down and look at what's going on and understand that there is not just the cyberbullying going on, but other, you know, other ways of bullying, we can really do something collectively, everybody can, to, to help uh, remedy the situation. It sounds as if you are really wanting to keep your platform very broad, You know, what happens in families, what happens in schools, what happens between kids playing on the street, uh, you want to kind of address it all. Is that, uh, is that accurate? Is that right? Well, the bullying is, I think, the biggest issue I feel that um, we really need to deal with. And that actually, I mean, that, that term is, is very broad itself because there's more than one way to be bullied and uh, more than one way to bully someone. So, like I said, it's just it's one of those things where we really, you know, 
kind of need to keep our, our minds open and focus on that and really do something to eliminate that. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking as you're speaking that in a sense, um, mistreatment of kids by adults is the definition of bullying. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> one person stronger than the other, you know, and and wants to wield control and do harm. Yes? Yes, and, and acting out their, their own issues. Um, it's kind of a, our children are, are a mirror of us. So whatever we do, whatever we show them, whatever strengths or weaknesses we have, our children have the tendency to mirror them. So when we, when we show them our strength and we give them the tools to, to kind of stop bullying or stop being bullies, um, they're going to mirror us. Uh-huh. So they'll, they'll tend to go along with you once they, once they have someone uh, mentor them in some way or show them what, what's possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have children, too. And so I'm guessing that that's also very important in uh, your commitment to this on a personal level, yeah? Yes, and just not to spread the cycle or or keep the cycle going. I really love, you know, children. I think children are the most innocent and um, not weakest, but the most innocent and most impressionable. So what we show them, they're going to do in their day-to-day lives. Do they know much about the work that you do? Yes, absolutely. So, so they also see, uh, you know, I have the idea that we don't teach our kids to avoid uh, bad stuff, but how to deal with it. And you're, you're uh, exemplifying that for them, aren't you? Yes, and then I think it's a good thing not to hide what I'm doing. And to, it, it brings awareness for them as well in their lives so that they're able to prevent certain things happening to them and so that when they're adults, they're able to fully function and be capable, if I might say. And also, I'm, I'm pretty sure they feel they could let you know anything that was bothering them. Yes, and that was the other thing I wanted to say, too, is really opening up the the uh, gates of trust uh, between, you know, your children and talking to them and, and being, you know, um, truthful about situations so that they, they understand so we're not sheltering them too much. I mean, you still keep them from negative stuff. But as much you, as you, you can. Keep them enough to, to arm them. Absolutely. Our first break is here. So, uh, listeners, during the break, please be sure to go to the Good Grief Host page at Voice America. And to find out more about Cynthia Luce and Invisible Child, go to www.cynthia-luce.com. We'll be back soon. And when we get back, I'd love to talk about forgiveness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, the host of Good Grief. You can find me at Voice America and at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. Today I'm speaking with Cynthia Luce. The harrowing story of her early life is chronicled in her book, Invisible Child, which she wrote to encourage all of us to do more to keep our youth safe and help them live their best lives. And before the break, I, I mentioned I would really like to talk about forgiveness because some of the damage that was done to you, the harm that was done to you, is, uh, of course, the acts are completely unforgivable. And yet you've forgiven uh, the people, I'm assuming. Um, and I wanted to know more about how you got there. Um, because when you have such huge losses um, and and kind of feel so unsafe, it's it's sometimes very, very hard to forgive. Can you tell us something about that process for you? Absolutely. Um, Invisible Girl was designed also for forgiveness. Uh, We don't realize how critical it is to learn how to forgive people even though they've caused uh, immense harm to you or pain or trauma. I found that learning how to forgive was one of the key points in me moving forward with my life. It was almost in a sense like taking out the trash, I might Uh say. And, And with that, it allowed me to not necessarily have a fresh start, but have a, a clean heart and, and a clean mind and allowed me to uh, live my life to, the, to my best potential. Are there words you would use to express that forgiveness? Like if you think of someone that was hard to forgive, what, what might you be thinking of them as you come into forgiveness, if that makes sense? <laughs> It, for me, was uh, more or less understanding, and there was a lot of things that I was not aware of, and I never gave excuses for the individual. I never said, well, they went through this and that, but knowing that what was done was done, you can't go back and change it. 
All you can do is look forward to the future. And for me, it was... It was one of those movements that was, it was pivotal for me. It was uh, the difference between night and day. And I let go of that anger and understanding that I couldn't do anything to change it, so why hold on to it? And once I realized that, it was easier. It was like taking uh, layers off little by little. And, and um, it was a process. It wasn't a short one. Yeah. But once I got through the initial part of it, it became a little bit easier and easier. And uh, there was a point where I was like, okay, this is it. You know, I'm, I, I can't, you know, hold on to it anymore. And I felt better. And I just kept going. So for you, it was a little like throwing, uh, throwing something off. Uh, uh, you know, taking off a... A co- an uncomfortable coat or something as opposed to it sounds like more about you and what you wanted to be free of maybe than even the people that you were needing to forgive yes it was uh, kind of taking off or taking down my wall chipping mm. away at it and, and just pushing it over and, and just letting it go for me it was just one of those things that it felt freeing. It was like taking thousands of pounds off of my shoulders and realizing that I didn't have to hold on to that pain. I was the one who was in control of whether I was going to hold on to it or let go of it. Well, the other thing I'm, I'm wondering or I hear in this is that uh, you really took a look at what had happened and what didn't, didn't explain or forgive the acts but uh, put them in context which I can also imagine would make you uh, trust your own wisdom in terms of who you choose in your life now. Would that be uh, part of it, too? Yes, and I am very selective, you know, about who I keep in my, my circle in my life. Um, just Not just from past experiences, it's given me wisdom. It has given me a lot of wisdom. It's showed me what I want and what I don't want in my life, and... Uh, it's just been, like I said, a, a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's allowed me the freedom that I couldn't allow for myself for the longest time for, for me to grow. It's like um, having the sunshine over you. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Mm, mm. I, I, I like that image of it, you know, that, that it's, it's kind of something you're doing an act you're uh, participating in, but really it feels as if it's shining on you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just because I'm, I'm pretty geared towards making sure people don't think that this work is, is easy, um, I know you, you mentioned in the book uh, some poor choices before you started looking at all this uh, and and I almost think that's part of it we we only really learn from experience don't you think oh yes so uh, would you say that you kind of collected those experiences and then at some point you went no I don't want those anymore <laughs> you know how did <laughs> how did you <laughs> how did you make the turn you know <laughs> Yeah, and repeating negative cycles, if you, you take a look at your life and you're wondering why you're getting the same results for everything, you know, you're picking, you know, abusive partners and you're looking back and you're going, why do I keep picking these people? You have to make the, accurate, the, the adequate changes in your life so that you're not repeating the same thing over and over. It's madness. 
Well, that means that at some point you empowered yourself. You you realized you had choices. Yes. Which sometimes can be a very difficult thing if you have lived in a situation where you've had so few. Um, but but something cued you in. Wait, I can I can do something different here. Yes, and that was taking a look at my life and going, I am doing the same thing over and over and over again. I don't want this. I want something healthier. I want something better. I want something more fulfilling. And that's when I started to, to start making those changes and, and realizing that there was more to me and myself and what I could do with my potential. And that's when I started to flourish. Mm-hmm. I think that's a tricky thing because... You don't want to make any of it your fault, certainly, and yet, <laughs> you, you know, it wasn't, um, but on some level, you have to make it, uh, you have to be looking at yourself, uh, you know, you, you have to be prioritizing, what can I do differently, given that all of this happened? Yes, That's what yes. I hear in what you're saying. At, at, with Invisible Girl, there's a really, there's a real really good part in there where you you understand that you know even with write the writing process looking back i go this is you know this is di- this is going to be difficult it's not going to be easy it's going to take time but i know that there is something better out there for me and i really want i want it and i will keep pushing to grab it and i that's what i did i kept pushing and pushing and knowing that i wanted something better so that's what i did and I made those changes, and it was just one of those things that's, you know, positive. It changes your life. It turns on the lights. You know, you come out from under the shadows, and, and, you, and you, you just do it. And I, I think there's a way, too, that once you've uh, learned how to be truthful or authentic with yourself, uh, it does... Um, there is a tendency, not a guarantee, but a tendency that people of like mind will find you. Ha- have you found that, that, that there's greater likelihood that you find people in your life that share your um, desires for better? Yes. Um, I, I am a believer, too. We are as good as the company that we keep. Huh. And, <laughs> and I know it, sounds, uh, it's, it can sound, you know, bad, but if you're wondering why you have, um, you know, people that are making poor choices and why you're making poor choices, you know, sometimes you have to remove those elements from your life and, and, and want more for yourself. It's really the desire and the drive to want something more that's going to propel you. That's, I think that's a... A key point, the, what came to my mind about that is uh, people I've known who are struggling with addiction and how they really need to uh, get away from the people that are participating with them, at l- especially at first. Uh, it's, it's the same thing with what you're talking about, that you really have to get very picky, especially at first when you're trying to strengthen yourself, Yes. Yes, you do. You have to really look at who you're keeping around, and if they're negative, if they're not, you know, going to be a positive force, then sometimes you have to do what's necessary so that, you know, you can move into a better space with your life. And, you know, negativity can be addicting, too. Ah, um, yes, we can indeed. We really be addicted to that. <laughs> uh, for sure. But that takes a lot of, of um, strength, 
I and I don't mean it that in the in the um, soldier kind of way, but just inner resolve kind of way. Uh, because most of us don't like to be alone, you know. <laughs> there, um, you have to kind of create a vacuum to let something different come in. Was that hard for you to do? It was at first. This wasn't. A, this wasn't the easiest of processes. I only knew what I knew growing up, and a, and a lot of people would relate. And especially an invisible girl, a lot of people will understand that what becomes your normal is your normal, and you sometimes don't realize that you have other options and other ways out. And that's what it took. It, it was a. Uh, Knowing that this normal that I had created for myself uh, past some, uh, my childhood, I wanted something better, and I didn't know how to get it, but I knew I wanted it. So I, you know, it was a lot of trial and error, and um, eventually, you know, things started to change, and I, I knew that I was doing something right. So I went with it, and I would keep going. So, kind of, uh, one of my teachers calls that the Braille method. You feel your way along. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> does that fit? Does that fit for you? <laughs> Pretty much. Was I've like always liked a that. Of <laughs> um, and perhaps I'm guessing, you know, you you mentioned one of your uh, kind of angels, the woman who helped you write the book. Have other angels come along for you? Uh, I've met. Yes, there, there's a, there's quite a few. Um, it, like I said, it was eliminating you know negative people and bringing in positive people. So more good people have entered my life, and and um, we've all kind of held on to each other and we talk to each other, and it's it's incredible. Uh, like I said, the difference between night and day, and I, I'm just you know blessed and thankful for everybody who's who's been around and kind of you know guided me and, and counseled me and helped me. And once you've you once someone has proven themselves to be trustworthy. I suppose they can also help you evaluate other people. Uh, you know, kind of, this is what's happening. Does this seem okay to you? <laughs> it's just eye-opening, I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the thing I'm feeling as we're talking is that there's a lot of um, uh, sort of joyful energy. Uh, I hear some joy in you. And and I wonder if you can um, describe how that how that shows itself in your life these days. It is with every action and every fiber of my being. I am always doing something. You know, I'm trying to um, spread that joy um, and and not keep the the negative parts of my life. And spreading joy, you know, allows other people to see that and and spread that in their lives as well. So it's kind of creating a a domino effect. So as as I keep going, it's just kind of getting bigger and bigger. I'm completely in just this amazing space in my life, and I I absolutely love it. Isn't that kind of um, an an interesting, I mean, I found this to be true myself, that that if I'm really, if I really um, am willing to feel what's hard and walk myself through through it, it opens up a lot more joy. There's kind of a paradox there, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is. Uh, but a but a wonderful thing to to know. I mean, sometimes for people it feels a little theoretical until it happens, but it's almost predictable. 
that that if you're willing to if you open up to all feeling a lot of that is joy oh yes there's, uh-huh. there's so much it's just it's beaming everywhere and i just you know i love um what I'm doing with Invisible Girl, it's really showing the, the truth of, of me and the truth of many others and, and allowing people to, you know, open themselves up and, and, and see the truth in, in themselves and, and, you know, kind of spreading those things for them and them being able to effectively, you know, enjoy their lives. So it kind of, there's a feedback mechanism as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, you you share that and then it comes back to you, huh? Kind of a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, yes. Uh-huh. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit before the break uh, about, you know, we're talking about what you're doing um, to get your, your message out, your mission, and I want to hear, you know, obviously I'm clear what your mission is, but if you had to put it in a sentence, uh, would you say something like your mission is to heighten awareness so that people can uh, live better lives and also support, you know, there seems like there's two parts. One is for people to be inspired by you who have had lives similar, and the other is for the rest of us to do more. Yes. Uh, Do I have that right? Oh, yes, absolutely. What should we be looking for? And I'm having a feeling we're going to start this and and then continue it after the break. Those of us that want to do more, that want to contribute to a better outcome for youth, and especially youth that are struggling, you know, that are, that are having, um, that are not in safe, um, supportive environments. What would you want for the listeners and for me to look for and to do? I would say we're starting off with if you see somebody who is struggling, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a child, but if you see somebody who is struggling and you know they're going through something, you know, maybe it's abusive or maybe they're going through, you know, they're being bullied, is to really put your, reach your hand out and help them, you know, and, and show some compassion. We as a society have lost a lot of compassion and, and empathy, and we have become very, uh, how do I say this, uh, really busy in our own lives. And I know that we're all busy but we sometimes need to kind of open our eyes and see that there are other things that are going on that we can do something to help out. Mm. I want to go further with that when we come back, and it, but it's time for our, our break right now. And so in these few minutes, don't forget, go to Good Grief at Voice America uh, or to my website, weatheringgrief.com. Um, I, I'm a therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I can also... Uh, work online in all of California and I'm available for speaking and consulting. Please also find Cynthia Luce at www.cynthia-luce.com Be back soon.
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Cynthia Luce, author of the book Invisible Child, which describes her her childhood and the things that happen to many children uh, that damage them and really calls for us to uh, interrupt that cycle and take care of our children, our youth, much better than we're doing now. Um, You know, I I think I'm uh, pretty visual as a person and I was reading the book and I was actually seeing this, this little girl with, um, you know, dirty clothes, uh, uh, looking not, um, well taken care of, you know, it would seem that some of the ways you described that would be so obvious. And yet we don't want to jump to the conclusion because somebody is poor, for instance, that there's anything bad going on, you know, those can be signs of poverty as well. So what do you think specifically people could have seen that would have let them in on, on the the kinds of things that were happening? Obviously, if they if they saw another kid bullying, that's obvious. Interrupt that. But um, that was just kind of the top layer, wasn't it? Yes, and there was a lot of external um, kind of warning signs that, you know, we kind of overlook uh, children sometimes are, you know, for example, excessively thin. Now, we don't necessarily know if it's a medical condition or if it's something that's going on at home, but you see a child that's obviously, you know, thinning hair, excessively thin, dirty clothes, um, scars or marks, bruises, there's something that's going on. If your intuition tells you that something may be wrong, go with it. Because your intuition is there for a reason. It's there to serve a purpose. If you see that something may be going on, if you bypass it, um, it could be fatal or harmful to someone. 
and I'm I'm aware it might be a little complicated uh, to get the trust of a child in that circumstance. Um, you know, especially if that kid is worried that they might get punished if they tell on someone or so do you do you have uh do you know what works in that situation what you know how do you uh how do you offer the help that varies from child to child but it usually uh, happens with communication you know open communication being able to talk with them and establish a trusting bond and you know it, it, it can be complicated and some children are a little bit easier with that and, and you know we'll, we'll talk and open up a little bit and there is fear there's fear on both ends there's fear from the adults end for you know maybe I'm wrong um, they're, they're saying to themselves maybe I'm wrong or if I get involved you know this could do this this and this to my family but um, we have a lot of uh, systems in place that you know have uh, an anonymity Anonymous, um, where you can call anonymously and um, not leave your name and your information, but you know, be able to tell the authorities what's going on. And for the child, there's fear psychologically. Like I said, with the bullying, um, abuse is, is a form of bullying, and they may be, you know, uh, manipulated into not talking. So if you get in there and form a trusting bond, you might be able to get the information out of them. Uh huh. So in other words, uh, not a Again, not a quick uh, go in, deal with it and out, but a, a slow building. Um, I'm also aware that we're we're talking tangentially about the systems that are in place because I know here in California there is very extremely inadequate funding for child protective services to the point where um, they really cannot handle. Uh, any but the most obvious and egregious situations. Um, I don't know if that's true in other parts of the country, but that's a kind of secondary problem, yeah? Uh, yes, it is, a, it is a problem, but it's still worth it to be able to try and help out. You know, if we bypass it like we do every day, we walk by people, uh, homeless people, for an example, we walk by them and... and we know we don't always help out. We just kind of keep going. We we act like we don't see them. It's kind of the same thing with these these children and in, like invisible girl uh, walking by all the time and and noticing maybe for even a second and just keep going. It, it can be a really big problem because then you're kind of um, also dehumanized. I know I, I I kind of make it a point when I'm when I'm passing someone who's homeless to look them in the eye and greet them in some way, you know, even if I'm not going to give them money, and they're uh, almost universally surprised, and yeah. and that tells me that people are are walking by in a very blank way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the same could be true when you see a problem. Uh, going on with a child that you just kind of look the other way and that gives them the message be ashamed you know I don't want to look what whatever message uh, what do you what kind of message do you think kids do take from from that kind of experience I think it sends the message that they don't matter or that they you know are very invisible that Mm. they aren't seen and it can be it can be very dehumanizing 
to to know that you know there's something going on and they need help but they can't say anything but to have somebody walk by them and act like that nothing's going on or that they don't you know they're not important when they are yeah and maybe that's a bottom line message that that every child is important huh yes and we pass judgment too often you know with with children and and adults and and not knowing you know what what got them in those circumstances we we really need to take the the judgment off and understand that we don't know everything and we we need to do something to help and and in that case are you talking again perhaps about kids who act out or bully themselves or yes. um behave badly <laughs> um and then there's the other end of kids who really do uh um kind of embrace their own invisibility and maybe are too quiet um don't say much don't don't want to make any trouble would that also be a way to indicate maybe something's not quite um okay with them yes that that would probably be pretty accurate you know i can't speak for every child on that aspect but um that that's a really high probability yeah well, I suppose, bottom line, every kid is, is having some form of... Childhood is not that easy. No, <laughs> <You know>? it's not. <laughs> so if we, if we paid more attention to that, it might help a whole lot, huh? <laughs> Just what is going on with each kid <laughs> and however they're, they're, um, they're acting. So I want to put a little bit of a timeline for people who might be listening and want some um, sense of how it was for you. So you grew up. Uh, at 18, you can, you can get away. Did you kind of get away from the bad circumstances geographically uh, when you hit adulthood? I think I got away and took some of it with me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> got away and recreated kind of thing? Yes, I recreated some of these cycles, and Invisible Girl really points out a lot, a lot of that. It's um, really kind of ingrained in there, but I did take some of it with me. And so then there were some years of, of that kind of not not being ready for the kind of major change that we're talking about uh, you ultimately went towards, yeah? Yes, yes. And then you realized, I want something different. And then I'm guessing it was, what, years of, you know, going through an internal process of coming to terms. You know, I, I like this thing that the neurosciences uh, teaches that it's not, we are not uh, able to predict how good a parent someone will be by what happened to them, but we are able to, on the basis of whether they made sense of it, making sense of your childhood is a good predictor. And I think, of course, being a good parent is also being being kind of a happier adult as well. You know, they sort of go together. So you spent quite a bit of time, it sounds like to me, making sense of all this. 
Yes, and it's a, it's really a process. Some people, it takes them many, many years. Some people are easier to get, it's easier for them to get through, and each person, you know, that process is going to vary. And for me, a lot of it was survival, uh, really just trying to survive and figure out myself and who I was and how I was going to get through it. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I suppose we should say, too, or... Um as as I know from a different kind of grief, uh, it's that becomes part of who you are. Uh, I'm sure there are moments where that's more up for you, or you have to do another round in a way. Would that be accurate? Um, you know, yeah, keep, I think keep paying attention accurate. to it a little bit. Yeah. I know that's true <laughs> for me. I have to keep paying attention as I go along. Um, one of my teachers, uh, what he did, he called self-acceptance training, and he called it training because he said, we're never there. We have to keep <laughs> keep going. So, but it's not hard work after a while. <laughs> it gets easier as time goes on. Yeah. Well, what would be your hopes and dreams? In these last few minutes, I'd, I'd love to know for you personally, where would you like to go with this work? I think I'm going to definitely continue. There may be some other books later on down the line um, with some more, you know, helpful uh, tips for, for people to kind of, you know, free off the negativity in their life. But I definitely absolutely love doing um, speaking. I think it's great for me to be able to communicate and, and, and talk with people on a level not just that they're comfortable with, but what, you know, they'll understand where they're going to absorb the information. So I absolutely love everything that I'm doing. I, I think that it's uh, what I was meant to do. Isn't that a great way to feel that you're doing what you're meant to do and that you, all you have to do is just keep going? Yes. <laughs> that's that's a fantastic way to feel. Um and it and I think it keeps um perpetuating itself when we feel that way about living. Yeah? Yes, and it's kind of adding fuel to the fire, you know, just kind of those are, you know, these are my desires, my hopes and my dreams. Everything is is really um shaping and and taking form and uh causing, you know, uh this is positive, you know, movement and showing, you know, compassion and and being in tune with other people. It's really, it's it's fantastic, and it's been absolutely nothing but positive. I'm glad you said the word compassion because somehow I feel when we really learn compassion and forgiveness for our, ourselves, it kind of erupts outward. Uh, and I know during the breaks you've been talking about how important compassion is to you. Yes. And, and I love that it's kind of spreading around and, and, and people are getting a feel for it. And some people, it might be a, a little adjustment in getting used to because people are really busy with their lives. But if we take moments out of our lives to dedicate to our, our, our loved ones, our children, and the people around us, we really can really make some large changes. That is a great place for us to end for the day. I want to thank you so much for being with me. I've enjoyed it greatly. And thank you. you can you can listeners, you can find out more about Cynthia again at www.cynthia-luce.com. Next week, join me with my guest Lynette Walforth to talk about her film Tender. Lynette is a filmmaker and artist whose documentary captures the work of an Australian town trying to create a non-profit, community-based funeral alternative 
to make funerals more personal, affordable, and based in love. And it's an amazing film, and the most moving part of it is that this this came uh, to them in a very personal way. Uh, don't miss hearing her talk. She's amazing. Don't forget to go to my host page at Voice America to connect with me in any way you'd like. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the whole works. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.